when I was in grammar school, and we're going way back, when I was in grammar school, uh, right around fourth or fifth grade, I, I experienced uh, a new emotion that I had never experienced before. It was re- very, very new to me. Um, I had a, had a friend, and he was part of my inner circle. His name was Michael Rudder. And, and Michael Rudder was the coolest guy in school. Just, you couldn't get any cooler than Michael Rudder. Um, and, and, and so it was just like everybody wanted to know him. Everybody wanted to hang out with him. Every guy wanted to be like him. So he was super athletic, and I was super athletic. Uh, and so my claim to fame was I was the fastest runner in the school, and I know that because I challenged every single person to a race and actually encouraged the teachers to have an all-school race so I could prove it. And so, but his claim to fame was his baseball ability, and he was a great baseball player. He was better than me. Uh, and so we had this kind of little competitive thing that, that went on. But, but the thing about Michael is no matter how hard I tried, I could never be as cool as he was. So, like, I, I used to have to walk to school every day. Uh, it wasn't real far. It was like, you know, maybe a little half mile or whatever. But Michael Rudder, oh, no, no, no. His mom had this beautiful little MG sports car, convertible, you know, top down. And they would pull in, and then, you know, Michael would really coolly just, like, jump out. His mom looking at like an absolute movie star. And when he jumped out, his hair was perfect. I mean, it's just, you know, he just kind of had this, this look. Every girl loved Michael Rudder. And, and uh, so I remember at one time, it was raining. So I, I grew up in, in the Bay Area, so it rains a lot more over there than it does here in San Diego. And so my mom would put, you know, the, uh, the rain suit on us. And it really, it was pretty horrible looking. I, I looked like a, like, a, like a third world raincoat, kind of like SpongeBob walking to school. And so looking at totally uncool, just, just hating my life, just going, I can't believe I have to wear this to walk to school. And I pulled up one time, about the, just about the time I get there, here comes Michael Rudder, you know, mom pulls up in a sports car, and he jumps out, and I kid you not, he is wearing a designer, I don't know where he got, a designer raincoat. And he's got this beautiful little cap, and he hops out, and I'm like, I hate you, man. He just was that guy. So finally, we, we moved, my family and I, we moved out of San Jose, and we moved to Gilroy, and I thought, no longer do I have to live under the shadow of Michael Rudder. And then I'm a junior in high school, and uh, I'm really doing well. I'm feeling pretty much like, you know, the big man on campus. I'm doing some great things athletically. I'm setting some records. I'm really feeling good about myself. But then I hear about this guy who's really becoming quite famous from San Jose. His name is, of course, Michael Rudder. And he's going to come to our campus, and he's going to play basketball against our team, Gilroy High School. And I'm like, what? Michael Rudder again? And so with everything in me, I'm hoping that, like, he shows up, and he's got zits all over his face, you know, and he just, like, he's not attractive anymore. And sure enough, I see him. He looks incredible. I'm like, I just, oh. So, and, you know, I walk over, I go, hey, Michael, been a long time, you know, and of course, all the girls are gathered around him, and, and then just, just to make it even worse, he comes back during the, so he's there for the basketball game, and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. He's a tennis star, too. He comes back, he's like one of the des- best tennis players anywhere in the Bay Area, and so he was just that kind of a guy, and, and so I, I struggle with that emotion called jealousy, like, God, you're just so cool. I, I wish I could be as good as you are, Michael. Have you ever experienced that emotion on some level? That you, you looked at somebody in your life or you knew somebody in your life, and even though everything inside of you wanted to celebrate them, instead, you, you just found yourself being jealous. 
just, just, just wishing that they weren't all that. Because whatever they were made you feel less than. So uh, that, this, is why, this is why it's so important that we have to protect our heart because someone else's success can do that. Very, it, it can trigger the insecurities that are in, inside of me. In fact, the Bible says it this way. In, in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart for everything that you do flows out of your heart. I think we all know that to be true. You can't, can't let envy, can't let jealousy get in, inside of you. And so we're going to see this through a story today in the Old Testament. Um, we're, we're starting a brand new series today. It's a three-week series. It's a tale of, of three kings. And today we're going to look at the first king. His name is Saul. And actually, if you've been with us the last several weeks, we've actually been talking about this guy quite a bit anyway. And we've been talking about uh, his, his uh, son-in-law, who's David, who will also become king. But if you have your Bibles, I'd like you, if you would, if you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you, can, if you don't have enough light, we have these little pen lights that are in those little boxes underneath your seats. And so you can turn that on to your Bible and uh, read along with us. Let me, let me give you the context. Um, so who is Saul? Saul is the first king of Israel. Saul was uh, anointed by the prophet Samuel. And, and uh, he, gets, he gets off to a great start. Here's, here's, what the, here's the way the Bible describes Saul. It said he was a handsome man. He was a head taller than every, all the other guys, and so people literally looked up to him. He starts off as a war hero. I mean, as soon as he become, becomes king, he, uh, he, you know, there's a lot of, uh, Israel always had a lot of enemies, and so uh, he leads the troops into battle, and he instantly becomes a war hero. And so he, he becomes that guy, that King Saul, the, the mighty king, the mighty warrior. He's that guy. So t- we're going to pick up this story, and um, this is where he begins to take notice of David. Now, David uh, is actually his son-in-law, and he really, really, to the, up to this point, up to this point, he really loves his son-in-law, David. So, uh, beginning in verse 5. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. And this pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistines, the women came out from the towns of Israel to meet King Saul. With singing and dancing and joyful songs and with with, um, trembles and lyres, and they danced and they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Now this is where everything begins to turn right here. Saul was angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David, kind of like, I'm watching you, you know, I'm watching you, David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. And Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Now, I just want to pause for a moment and give some explanation to this, because this is one of those things that can be a little complicated. You read this, you're like, so what, what in the world is going on here? Like, what's this evil spirit from God thing that, is, that it, Saul is experiencing? So I, I did a little research on this, and I, I read what some biblical scholars think about this. And there's two or three opinions, but here, here's the one that I, I think, um, in my mind anyway, is, is the most credible. Saul 
if you read the story of Saul, he, he quickly goes bad. He starts good with God, but then he goes bad. And one of the things that, that we know about Saul is he was incredibly stubborn, and he sort of leaned into his stubbornness, which actually began to lean into evil. And so whenever God would say, you know, Saul would just go, now I'm going to do my own thing. Now I'm going to do my own thing. I'm, I'm just going to disregard what you told me to do, what you want me to do. Well, he, he did this over and over and over again. Now, the evil spirit, now God is not the author of evil. Everybody know that? God does not create evil. And so the evil actually is God allowing Saul to lean into his own stubbornness and his own evilness so that it begins to consume him. You know what I'm talking about? There comes a point where, you know, you and I, we can be as stubborn as all God. I go, no, I want to do, I don't care what you say, God. I'm going to live my life on my terms, do my own thing. And at some point, God will begin to step back and go, okay, have it your way. But guess what happens when we have it our way? When we begin to embrace evil, evil begins to consume us. And so this is what's happening. Evil begins to consume Saul to the extent that he can't sleep well, that he has constant anxiety, and that's why David has to come and, and play, the, play the harp for him. And then this next part, sometimes when you read the Bible, you've got to see a little bit of the comedy in, in the Bible. It says that Saul took a spear and threw it at him, and that he tr- did it twice. Now, I'm trying to, in my mind, I'm trying to imagine what this is actually like. How did that work out? And, I, and so I'm thinking that Saul is there with his, his father, I mean, with David's there with his father-in-law, Saul, and they're eating or something like that. And at some point, whatever, you know, that evil thing comes on, on Saul, and he takes a spear and he hurls it at his son-in-law, David. And so I'm thinking, because this is just so coming out of nowhere, to this point we know that, that, that Saul had never actually been jealous yet, but now he is. He hurls it, and I'm thinking that David just kind of goes, whoa, ho, ho, ho. good one, man, good one. That, yeah, it's funny, man. You know, you have, that was a good one, Saul. What the heck, you know, crazy guy. But then he does it again. And when he does it the second time, he knows this for keeps. When he does it the second time, he's like, yeah, this dude's trying to kill me. He's crazy. And so he leaves. Anyway, that's my version of it. Verse, verse 12, uh, Saul was afraid of David. Because the Lord was with him. I think that's really an interesting statement. Saul was afraid of David. Now, David should be afraid of Saul, right? I mean, you know, he's trying to kill him, but it says that, that, that Saul was afraid of David. Why was that? That jealousy thing, that insecurity thing is starting to, to set into his life. Because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. And so, so he sent David away from him, and he gave him command over a thousand men, and David led the troops to their, in their campaigns. And in everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw how successful he was, here it says it again, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. This is why we need to be careful about taking things too personally. And you know what I mean by, like, okay, for, let me give you some scenarios. So somebody that works where you work got a promotion, and you didn't get a promotion. And so how are you going to receive that? Are you going to celebrate the fact that they got a promotion? Or are you suddenly going to say, whoa, 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 what does that mean about me? I didn't get a promotion. And so suddenly there's that insecurity thing, there's that jealousy thing that sets in. 
I mean, this could play a thousand different ways, you know. Your, your child didn't get accepted to the school that your best friend's child got accepted to. Um, you know, you got a house, you're pretty stoked about it, but then your friend got a bigger house. Like, what does that mean about me? Sometimes we just tend to take things too, too personally. I, uh, when I was on vacation recently, my family and I, and uh, you might have seen this, I actually posted this on Facebook. I read this book, and a lot of you know me, I, I read a lot of books. But this book here, I would have to put in my top 25 books ever read. This book just went right through my heart. Now, this, this is a, written by a Christian author, and, and I love the title. The title is what grabbed me the first time, Unoffendable. And I, I thought, what the heck is all that all about? Um, it, it, the guy, by the way, if you want to check more into the book, you can get it on Amazon. Brant Hansen's his name. He has a podcast you can listen to every day. It's really entertaining. It's really fun. Uh, but be aware, it'll just, there'll be some zingers that'll go right through your heart. And so I, I read this book, and after I, at first I was really offended by the book. So I'm like, what? How can you tell me that? And then I read the book, and it's very biblical, it's very Christ-centered, and I thought, after I read the book, my goal in life is to be unoffendable. Just to be unoffendable. And I think it's possible. And so, well, I want you to read the book. Okay, at the very least, just give it a chance. Some of you are going to come to me and you're going to go, I'm so offended. <laughs> but you need to read the book, okay? But, but really, this is where it begins. We just, we get offended. And when we get offended, you know, suddenly we, we have all those emotions and insecurities and feelings that we get. So at this point, to get back into the story, David was so successful that, God, that, that, that Saul gave him a high position, right? So that's all good. And isn't that the way that it should be? If you're mentoring somebody, coaching somebody, teaching somebody, and they're doing well, what should your response be? They're making me look good. I taught them well. I mentored them well. Um, you know, uh, I, 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 I sort of got them prepared for this position, and look what they're doing. That's a reflection on me. That's the way that we ought to take it, but sometimes that's not the way it goes. And certainly what's happening here, it, it doesn't go that way. So there's a new song in town on, you know, K Israel. And... <laughs> It's this song about Saul and David, but only the song doesn't play well as far as Saul's concerned. He says, because David's getting more credit than me, even though he was the one that, that in some ways, mentored David, you know, about being a warrior. See, here's the problem right here, is we cannot play the comparison game. Whoever wins the, does anybody ever win the comparison game? Loser every time. I don't care how you frame it, you're going to lose that game every single time. And this is, this is exactly what's happening to, to Saul. He's beginning to compare. He says, he's getting more credit than I'm getting. And we, we, we man, do we do this all the time. Again, we, we, we get something that we're really enjoying, and then suddenly somebody gets something that is better. Maybe it's a status symbol kind of a thing, and you just get a new car, and go, oh, I love my car, and then your neighbor drives in with a better car. And suddenly you're looking at their car. You're not looking at your car, and you're comparing. Or you, you think, you know, maybe you're working out, and you go, man, I'm really feeling good about yourself, myself, you know, and, and then you see somebody else you haven't seen for a while, and they look better than you look, and you're like, oh, man, how did that happen? I mean, just, we can do, just do this so often. We compare, we compare, we compare, and, and every time that we compare, you just lose. You are never, ever going to win the comparison game. Somebody said comparison is the death of contentment. You were content, and then that happened. And you looked at them. You saw them. You saw what, what, what they now have. 
and suddenly you don't feel the same way anymore. Um, I, I, this, this statement came, came out of this book, and it really grabbed me the other day. I thought it was really funny. He said this. He said, adults are the only ones who don't dance. Now, obviously, some adults do dance. But think about this. He was talking about the fact that children, all children, universally around the world, dance. You put some music on, they're going to dance. They don't care. They're like, oh, you know, they're just out there. They're having a great day. They're, they're dancing. What, at one point in life, do we say, I'm not going to dance anymore? And why do we stop dancing? Yeah, exactly. You nailed it. We're like, well, I don't know. I don't think I dance that well. You know, I saw them dance. They dance really good. I don't dance that good. So we don't go to the floor anymore, right? How many times in life are there things that we wish we could do, we would love to do, it seems fun, it would seem like great, but we don't do it? Why? Because we compare ourselves to other people. And so we, 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 we just miss out so much in life. Comparison is the death of, of contentment. And we have to really pay attention to this in our life. We, we have to notice when we find ourselves starting to keep tabs on the person who actually makes us jealous, in, incites this envy that, that's inside of us. And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And it, he got more and more and more jealous. You know where this plays out a lot on social media? I'm telling you, I think, and this is just my personal opinion, I think that social media is one of the worst things that's ever happened to America. I talk to therapists all the time. I, I read studies all the time. And it is just like hurting people all the time. Now, if you're one of those people, maybe you're like, well, it doesn't really help me. Good, good. You're doing well. But, but for a lot of people, it, it doesn't affect them that way. Here, here's something that, that, that happened to me a while back. So I've been, you know, I'm like a lot of people. I'm I'm in social media and Facebook and, you know, some of the other Twitter and some of the other ones, Instagram. Um, but so I started years ago, you know, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. So I'd always post what most of you post, which is your top 10, right? Like, you're not going to do the bloopers. It's always going to be, here we are in Mexico. Oh, we're in Fiji, you know, and all the good moments, right? And so I didn't, I didn't really think about this. I didn't think about how people were experiencing this. And, and, and so some of my family members and some other people that are in my life said, well, it must be nice. I go, what do you, and, and it just, I just kind of, I'm like, what? And I realized as I began to talk to some of these people that they thought that that's what my life was really like. <laughs> like, you know, I'm just this guy just kind of floating around the world, living the life, you know, and I'm like, what? You, you actually think that my life is like that? Have I told you about what I've been through, you know, recently? But nobody's going to know that. Now, I'm not saying don't ever post good stuff. You know, but I'm, I'm just saying, and, and here's my goal. I try to bring balance to my post. So sometimes it's going to be an encouragement. Sometimes it's going to be like, I posted this. Man, you should read this book. I think this book will be super helpful. Uh, sometimes I do have those fun moments, and we should be able to celebrate those fun moments where I'm on vacation someplace, and here's my kids, and I'm proud of my family. We, we should be able to do that. But I, I think that all of us be, need to be mindful of always playing the top ten, right? The perfect moments, lest the people in our life start to feel, you know, maybe jealousy about that and, and maybe think, have an unrealistic picture of, of who we are. Now, if you struggle with social media, I'm gonna, just going to put this out there, and I think it needs to be said. If you struggle to the extent that every time you get on and you see social media, you feel a little less, 
you feel like if they're winning, you're losing a little bit. You know how it is. You get on and go, oh, there they go. Oh, they're in Tahiti, you know. They look beautiful. <laughs> they're on the beach, you know, drinking Mai Tais, and here I am. I'm working. And so if, if you feel that way, and it's easy to feel that way, right? Then why don't you just take a break from social media? There's nothing that says that you have to be on social media. And I've known people that have done this. Like, take a whole month. Take six weeks, if you will. And then here's what I'd like you to do. And by the way, if you do this, I'd like you to tell me about how it affects you. Because I, I know it's going to affect you in a really positive way. You're going to come back and you're going to go, I, I just feel better about life. I feel better about me. So just, just consider that, if you will, okay? I think, I think for some of you, and if you're struggling in that area, and maybe you're really going through a hard time, and so you get in social media, and then you, know, you even feel worse. So think about that, if you will. How am I letting someone else's success affect me? Well, let me, let me ask another question related to that. Whose failure would you secretly celebrate? Whoa. <laughs> Whose failure, and I'm not talking about some politician you don't know. I'm talking about somebody you do know, and secretly, if they failed, You'd be inside going, yay. That's a tough one, man. Because I, I had to confront that in myself. And I have to say, there's a couple of people that I just might have a hard time not celebrating their failure. And that's not good. That's not good at all. And, and that's, that's, that's just us probing the depths of our spirit. And, and God, help, help, us, help us not to do that. We have to pay attention, again, right? We have to pay attention to how quickly jealousy grows and becomes destructive. So this, this whole jealousy thing is consuming Saul. It's festering inside of him to the point where he tries to kill David, right? He becomes a spear thrower. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll kill David, I'll kill him. Here's what we have to guard against, that you and I would never, ever become spear throwers. You know what I'm talking about? Throwing the spear of whoosh, gossip. You know, we say something, we don't, you know, because it, it, it's easy to talk about people that you, you don't like, and especially if you're jealous of them. Fine, you know, you start nitpicking their life. You go, well, they're, you know. And, you, and the bottom line is you're, we're just, just jealous of them. I've, I've noticed a lot of times that the most successful people are targets. They're just targets for this kind of stuff. Everybody just wants to nitpick at them. Well, yeah, they're successful, but, you know, here's the real story about that person and that we could just, like, take a break from that. Quit judging people. Really, that's what, what it comes down to. Spear throwers. We got any spear throwers in here? I've been a spear thrower before. I think all of us probably struggle with that. So here, here's what I'd like to do. You know, sometimes... When, when, when we go to church, we say, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing a few songs and worship the Lord, and then you know, hopefully we'll have a good teaching, and I'll go home and I'll feel good. But sometimes I think God wants to do something at church that we would have an experience that, that would kind of, on a deeper level, do something inside of us. And, I, and I'm really, really, as I prepared for this message, I feel like this is one of those moments when some of us need to have, I'm going to call it a soul detox, where we need to take our jealousies and our envies that we struggle with, and we need to have a confessional time about that. I think, I think God would be very pleased if we would do that. And so I'm going to lead the way, 
And I'd like you to join me in this prayer, okay? Um, so go at your own level. If, if you feel like, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. That's fine. Don't, I'm not a spirit thrower. That's great. But if you have any, even a tinge of jealousy that you're struggling with somebody, I'd like you to enter into this prayer, okay? Let's pray. Jesus, sometimes life is such a struggle. And as much as we want to feel blessed and content and be thankful, we look around us, suddenly maybe we don't feel so content. We don't feel so thankful. And, and, and our eyes get on other people, and we feel that emotion, that jealousy, that envy, that we don't want to feel. We know it's wrong. We know we shouldn't feel that way. And, and yet we do. And I, I just confess before you and we confess before you those who want to just be a part of this prayer that we repent of being spirit throwers saying things we should have never said even thinking things in our heart that we would never tell anybody else god set us free it's toxic it's wrong it's not who we should be it's not who we want to be so in this moment, Lord, we ask you to just lighten our soul, cleanse us from those kind of things, those jealousies, those insecurities, and help us to find true contentment in you. Help us not to play the comparison game anymore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what are we going to do about it? What is the antidote to, to jealousy? We need to have an attitude of gratitude. Now, when I say those words, I almost hate to say that because you're going, oh, you're going to use that one. Have an attitude of gratitude and a temperament of contentment. So I'm going to explain this. We're going to go a little deeper into this. Otherwise, it just sounds like one of those little pithy little sayings like, oh, you Christians always say things like that. Okay. But we're going we're to really show you how you can be set free from that, that whole jealousy thing. And it begins with the Word of God. It begins with this verse right here, 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. But godliness with contentment, the contentment is the key word, circle that, is great gain. Why is it that we're so often not content? Well, just think about the way our culture is driven economically. Everything on an economic level is to make us discontent with what we have, right? Like, how are they going to sell us a car? Well, your car is okay, but you need to buy this car, all right? You know, the, the jeans you're wearing, okay, but we got a new pair of jeans for you. They cost $500, but they're awesome. They'll make you look unbelievable. You need to get those jeans. And so everything is driven that way. So it makes us, actually sets us up for being discontent. So contentment is the first thing, that we learn how to be content. Paul ta- calls it the secret of being contentment, being content. And then in uh, Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, and be, what is it? Thankful, 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 thankful. You know, I've learned, and I do this, I practice this every, every morning. Every morning, the first thing I do when I get up is I start thanking. And I say, God, I thank you for my wife. And I thank you for my family. And I thank you for my health. And I thank you for my home. And I thank you that I get to live in San Diego. And I thank you that for all the friends. I thank you for, for New Break Church and you know, all the people that I, I, I just love the, these people. Lord, I, I thank you for surfing and all the ways that I get to surf. Uh, I, just, I just go on and on and on. I just, and by the time I get through my little thank, you know, thank you, Jesus, times, I'm already feeling pretty good. It's a great way to start the day rather than, God, you know, I'm pretty bummed out right now. And couldn't all of us think of a reason to be bummed out? 
you know, just give us 10 seconds, right? We put a list together. But how about if we just start with thank, being thankful and fend off those other feelings that we have? Somebody said this, jealousy is counting someone else's blessings instead of your own. Why is it that sometimes, instead of looking at what we have and saying thank you for that, we look at what we don't have and say, well, I'm not, too, I'm not feeling too good about that. Just, I mean, anything. Have you ever, like, been driving your vehicle and, and just say, Jesus, thank you for this vehicle? Have you ever just, like, common things in your house? You know, you're, you're, you know, you're making your coffee and you're grinding it and you go, thank you for really good coffee? You know, just, just like, little things. You say, thank you for this instead of, like, well, you know, I sh- but I wish I had this which automatically puts us in a place of being dis- discontented. So here's, here's the real turning point right here. We live in a very indiv- individualistic society. We celebrate the people, individuals in our society. And, you know, they become famous. How many followers do you have, you know? Well, I've got 5,000. How many do you have? Oh, I've got 10,000, right? I mean, think about that. You know, when, when I was growing up as a kid, because we didn't have social media, if I didn't get invited to the party, guess what? I didn't care because I didn't know. <laughs> if somebody didn't like me, they had to have the courage to actually come up and tell me instead of hide behind a computer. It just, yeah. So we celebrate the we, the we. But in a, in, a, in a society that's all about the me, we have to be very purposeful and very intentional about making it about the, the we instead of just the me. So I want to show you something. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn there, if you would, really quickly. I, this is uh, the Apostle Paul. He's speaking to this church called uh, the Corinthian Church, and they are having problems. It's a brand new church. This is the formation of the church, and um, he's addressing all kinds of stuff, jealousy issues and bickering and quarreling and all kinds of stuff. So he's trying to help them, and he says in verse 4, he says, there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them, but, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, now this is really important. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit for what? For the, it's given for what? For the common good. So, God distributes these gifts, these spiritual gifts, and he gives it to all of us, not so that one person can stand up and say, hey, you know what? I got the best gift. My gift rocks compared to your gift. No, it's so that all of us can celebrate together um, what God is doing. See, God's put us all on mission in this world. God gave you some gifts. He put your life on mission, and he said, okay, take those gifts, run with them, and be a blessing. Be a blessing to your family. Be a blessing to your church. Be a blessing at work. Be a blessing wherever you're doing life. Just be a blessing and use those, use those gifts. And so that's why it's important we recognize the value of the gifts that God has given to us. Uh, go a few verses later. We're going to look at verses 15 through 18. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but Paul uses the metaphor of the human body to explain the church, and I think it's a great metaphor. He says, now, if, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I, don't, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 
But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Do you get that? God is saying, you know, it was my idea. And I gave gifts, and I gave you the gift that I wanted you to have. So God is against what I would call gift envy. Gift envy is like, well, I, I know, you know, God gave me the gift of administration, but I like your gift better. I like your gift of leadership, or I like your gift of that you can sing so well and you can lead worship. Whatever. God says, no, I gave you your gift for a purpose, and I want you to run with it, and I want you to, to use it. And by the way, it's not about just the me. It's all about the we. It's, the, it's that we celebrate this together. And so one of the things that we always encourage here is like helping you to discover what, what your gifts are, your individual gifts. For instance, we have all kinds, all kinds of... How many of you have taken personality tests? There's like a whole bunch of them out there. You should do that. You should do that. Why? Because the more that we know ourselves, the more we understand ourselves, the more we're going to be in a position to be able to leverage who we are for God, right? Like if you know things about yourself, it's, it's really, really going to help you. Um, and then we have these spiritual gifts to seven. We have one at New Break on our website right now. Just check that out if you want to need to take a picture of that or check it out later. Newbreak.churchpathway. And uh, it's a great, and it, it's just a straight-up spiritual gifts test, and you'll learn more about yourself. Um, ask, ask people what, what they see in you. One of the reasons that we're so pro-life group, aside from the fact you'll make great friends, you'll have people that will pray for you, support you, um, they'll be there for you, is that a lot of times we call this the I see in you moment. It's going to be a moment when somebody does that I see in you, and they're going to tell you something about yourself that maybe you don't know. It's going to be so helpful to you. Like, I, I didn't, you see that in me? I, I didn't even know that about myself. And so you're going to be able to take maybe a new gift that you didn't know that you had. Like, maybe somebody will go, did you know that you were a fantastic encourager? And you've never even thought you'd just, just do it naturally, right? Why? Because it's a gift God gave to you. Or maybe you have the, the gift of mercy. And somebody picks up on that, and they go, like, you are the most amazing, merciful person. And you never thought about that. It just That's just the way you roll. It's just the way you operate, because God gave you that gift. But we discover this with the other people that are in our life. And then you can just straight up ask God, God, show it to me, God, reveal it to me. Or one of the things that we encourage here a lot is just experiment. People will say, well, I'm not quite sure. Um, I think kids are kind of cool. Um, how about if I work with kids? I don't know if that's my gift or not. Well, we say, go for it. And then somewhere along the line, you go, yeah, I don't think that's my gift. We're cool with that. Okay, you gave, it a, you gave it a try. Okay, well, let's find out what your gift is. And it, maybe it, it's, it's some other kind of gift. Maybe it's back in the, on the tech board back there and like you have techie skills or whatever it is. But, but all of us have different gifts. And so God wants to, to take those gifts and, and he wants us to, to use those. And, and then what we get to do is we get to celebrate together, all of us using our, our gifts together. That's why he says this. Now, this is so important. This is the difference between the me and the we says, if one part suffers, now what is he talking about? The church, right? He says, if one part of the church suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So let me ask you a question. Is it, do you feel better about celebrating a win by yourself or with people? You see, there's really no such thing as an individual win. Because even if, whatever it is, there were people that got you there. There were people that probably coached you, mentored you, helped you. There's really, so it's always going to be team. So you, we may as well just say, I'm going to share my win with people. And in church, it's a team win 
or sometimes it's a team loss, depending on what, what's going on. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. I want to encourage some of you, when you see somebody suffering, step into that moment with them. I know it's awkward. I know sometimes I, I don't know what to say. Sometimes just be in there. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. The very fact that you're there is going to mean something to that person. Be willing to step into that moment with that person who's suffering. The other one is the winning. And so when one of us wins, we all get to celebrate in that, right? So let me tell you about a big win, all right? And this is for our church. Um, and this is the first time I'm announcing this, this to our church, and some people know already. So uh, we've, we've been here for 22 years, and it was never our intention to be in a school for 22 years. I think we set some kind of record or something. <laughs> Seriously. But it, we, we want to we be, we want to have our own building, you know, our own brick and mortar. And we've been talking about that. And it's super complicated in a, a place like Pacific Beach. Real estate's so high. And, and there's a thousand reasons that it makes it difficult. But we're on a mission to, to do that. And so last week, actually the week before last, um, there's this one guy that used to go to this church, him and his family, and uh, we've been talking, and he sold a company, and I said, hey, will you just remember us, because you know that we want to have our own, our own church, and so he remembered us, and he sent a check to us for $100,000 for this church, to, uh, to, that's the beginning of our building fund. How many of you can celebrate that? Yeah. So that... That is the beginning of our building fund right there, okay? So we know we got $100,000 to start with. And uh, we're going to keep praying about that, and, and uh, we, we're just going to ask your help in terms of maybe you see something out there. Again, uh, Pacific Beach is kind of a complicated place when it comes to those kind of things, but we know that God has something for us. So that's, that's something that all of us can celebrate together. So I want to leave you with this, and then our, our worship team is going to come up here, and we're going to close in a, in a couple of songs. I want to leave you with this. Whose success will I choose to celebrate this week? I'm, I'm thinking of somebody that maybe you don't want to celebrate, but you should celebrate. So here's what you need to know. I would never, ever ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. And so I really took this to heart. And uh, as I was thinking about this, I said, so who do I need to celebrate that I don't want to celebrate? And it's not Michael Rudder. I actually contacted him via Facebook, man, and he's doing great. I'm, all, I'm happy for Michael. <laughs> he's doing great. No, um, but there's this dude, this guy, and he pastors a church, and he's hugely successful. He's not here in San Diego. He's in a different city, and I've known this guy personally for many, many years. And, and, and the thing about this guy is, like, when I'm around him, he just does not seem to give me the time of day. And so, frankly, I don't like him. Um, he's a great, he's a prolific writer. He's written very successful books. He's, he's launching churches all the time. I mean, the guy, everything that he does is good. But for some reason, when I'm around him, it's like he's, I don't know, he just kind of looks over me for somebody of greater status or something, you know. So, whatever. So, I'm thinking, Lord, I need to do something to sort of detox my soul here a little bit. Because I don't like this guy. How many of you know that you can not like somebody but still love him? Okay, he actually can. So I love him. I don't like him. Um, so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm to send him an email. So I, I sent him an email, and I said to this guy, hey, I just want you to know that I really, and I really, from the heart, I really appreciate your ministry. 
you have written some books and you have uh, launched some churches and you have invested yourself into some pastors and some up-and-coming people and you have done such an incredible job and I've known you for a long time and I just, I want to thank you for that. You big jerk. No, I didn't. No, I didn't put that. That's what I was thinking, but it would just be nice to me, okay. Um, but I did that, and, I, and it wasn't in the, I have to tell you, like, a couple times I was, like, getting ready to hit the sin. I'm like, ah, I go. Doesn't deserve it, you know. But I did it. And when I did it, it's like something really good happened inside of me. It actually felt good. It really was kind of a soul detox. So I want to encourage you this week. That's your assignment. If, if, if somebody's getting under your skin, that's the very person. You need to pray for them. Maybe talk to them. Email them. Okay? So, Lord Jesus, right now, thank you for this time that we've had together. Father, help us on our journey to not be so insecure, to be content. God, to be thankful, to not compare, and to not be offended so easily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.